Hi, it's Cory Doctor again, and this is my second podcast. Uh, this is a series of podcasts where I read some of the stories I'm working on aloud in serial form, and uh, a little bit like a bedtime story, except I tend to do them in the morning. Um, still in Portland, uh, just about to head out again, and uh, in a friend's guest room here. And I think I'm going to read a little bit more of The Siege, which is the story that was inspired of, uh, by my uh, grandmother's stories last summer while we had our family reunion in St. Petersburg of surviving the siege of Leningrad as a little girl. Um, here we go. The day after the siege began, the doctor fitted Valentine for her hearing aid and told her to come back in ten years for a battery change. She hardly felt it slide under her skin, but once it was there, the funny underwatery sound of everything and everyone turned back into bright sound as sharp as the sinnies had been. Now that she could hear, she could speak, and she grabbed Popa's hands. The sinny, she said, oh, Popa the sinny, those poor people, what happened to them? The work crews opened the shelter ten hours later, Popa said. He never sugarcoated anything for her, even though Mata disapproved of talking to her like an adult. Half of them died from lack of air. The air recirculators were damaged by the bomb, and the shelter was airtight. The rest are in hospital. She cried. Lisa! Mama, Mata took her hand. Lisa is fine, she said. She made sure we told you that. She cried harder, but smiling this time. Trover was on her mother's hip, looking like he didn't know whether to stay quiet or pitch one of his famous tantrums. Automatically, Valentine gave him a tickle that brought a smile and kept him from busting out in tears. They left the hospital together and walked home. Though it was still far, the metro wasn't running, and the air cars were still grounded. Some of the buildings, uh, some of the buildings they passed were nothing but rubble, and there were robots and pe- and there robots and people labored to make sense of them and get them reassembled and back on their feet. It wasn't until the next day that she found out that Rita had been killed under the cine. She threw up the porridge she'd had for breakfast and shut herself in her room and cried into her pillow until she fell asleep. Three days after the siege began, Mata went away. You can't go, Papa shouted at her. Are you crazy? You can't go to the front. You have two small children, woman. He was red-faced and his hands were clenching and unclenching. Trover was having a tantrum that was so loud and horrible that Valentine wanted to rip her hearing aids out. Mata's eyes were red. Harald, you you know I have to do this. It's not the front, it's our own city. My country needs me. If I don't fight for it, then what will become of our children? You never got over the f- glory of fighting, did you? Her father's voice was bitter in a way that she'd never heard before. You're an addict! She held up her left hand and shook it in his face. An addict, is that what you think? Her middle finger and the little finger on that hand had never bent properly in all of Valentine's memory, and when Valentine had asked her about it, she'd said the terrible word, word knuckle-breakers, which was the old name for the police. You think I'm addicted to this? Harald, honor and courage and patriotism are virtues, no matter that you would make them into vices and shame our children with your cowardice. I go to fight now, Harald, and it's for all of us. Popa couldn't find another word to speak in the two seconds it took for Mata to give her two small children hard kisses on the foreheads and slam out the door, and then it was Valentine and Popa and Trover still screaming. Her father fisted the tears out of his eyes, not bothering to try to hide them, and said, Well then, who wants pancakes? But the power was out, and he had to make them cereal instead. Two weeks after the siege began, her mother didn't come home, and the city came for her father. Every adult, comrade, every adult fights for the city. My children, he sputtered. 
Mata hadn't been home all night, and it wasn't the first time. She and Popa barely spoke anymore. Your girl there is big enough to look after herself, aren't you, honey? The woman from the city was short and plump and wore heavy armor and was red in the face from walking up ten flights to get to their flat. The power to the lifts was almost always out. Valentine hugged her father's leg. My Popa will fight for the city, she said. He's a hero. He was. He fought in the revolution, and, he, and he'd been given a medal for it. Sometimes when no one was looking, Valentine took out her parents' medals and looked at their tiny writing, their shining, unscratchable surfaces, their, un, their intricate rhythms. The woman from the city gave her father a look that said, You see? A child understands. What's your excuse? Valentine couldn't quite feel guilty for taking the woman's side. Lisa's parents fought every day. I must leave a note for my wife, he said. Valentine realized that for the first time in her life, her parents were going to leave her all on her own and felt a thrill. Well, I think that's all I'm going to read today. Um, thank you very much. Uh, there's a couple of days delay while this stuff gets posted to the Internet Archive and then I add it to the podcast stream. Still waiting for iTunes to add this to their um, repository. And then I'm going to start publicizing the list. I guess I'll have three or four by then. I know some of you have already discovered this just by uh, looking at the site, and uh, I greet you, uh, early adopters. Um, Talk to you in a couple of days. Bye.